As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, midweek action, Aston Villa, Man City, Aston La Vista, baby. We look back on an astonishing game against the champions. Meanwhile in Luton, the rice man cometh as Arsenal kill Kenny. We'll look back on all the midweek games and as the relegation battle gets wilder, so do Sheffield United. Run of losses, sparking change of Blades bosses. All those stories and more in this Totally Football Show. Listen, it's Thursday, the 7th of December, and we've got a brand new Totally for you. One which is, by the way, available to watch in its kind of entirety on our YouTube channel, which is the Totally Football Show. Here with us, we've got Duncan Alexander from The Athletic. Hello. We've got uh, Luis Miguel Echegaray from ESPN. Jimbo. And Mutant Chronicles. <laughs> and we've got JJ Ball from TIFO. Hello. Hi, JJ. Only one member of today's panel has recorded a Christmas single. That's right. It's you, JJ. Not I did to, do that once, yeah. Yeah, not this year, I should say. You haven't done it. It's a long time ago, about 10 years. Yeah. Right. I don't know where you can find it. Maybe online somewhere. Okay, what's it called, JJ? I think it's called Santa, I'm Still Your Boy. I think Why it's would called you not that. know what it's called? Because I honestly wrote it so long ago, it was meant to be a demo. And then that story I was telling you off air, where the mm. producer, uh, I'll just say it, he stole it and then gave it to a bunch of people to... Uh, to try and make money. It's the spirit of Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. So, and it went on compilations and things. Went, yeah. Right, that's yeah. amazing. Because this is, so often that's the story, oh, I just laid down my voice as a demo and it went, uh, Steely Dan, for example, he, he was never meant John to John Lennon. Be. Was he? What? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I get you. Right. <laughs> so, well, hey, listener, if you've got tech skills, hunt it down. Santa, I stole your boy. By the way, <laughs> that's what it's called. I'm it? still I'm your still boy. Your boy. Oh, he didn't steal my boy. I thought you said Santa, I stole your boy. First no, of all, I, would like that I think that's a, a great yeah. idea. That's, that's a movie, and I yeah. want to write Santa that now. Santa, I stole your boy. Yeah, it's okay. a really dark Sa- Christmas tale where Santa right. comes down the chimney and takes your children. Take away. my yeah. money. I will oh, okay. watch that's that. One every I mean, it's essentially oh. the plot of the snowman. Um, so, mm. but he willingly went with it. Is he a villain? Really? He yeah, comes but and steals but a he was drunk on hot chocolate. We don't know what if he hadn't melted. We don't know what he done. The, the MO, you know. Oh. But anyway, let's not go down that dark, dark. <laughs> Santa, I'm still your boy. I think it's called that, yeah. Good. All right. 
Moving on, Luis, good days to be an Aston Villa fan. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. There you go. That's it. I, I'm, that's all I'm giving you. Okay. Yesterday, you were saying that you would need a day to come to terms with what you saw at Villa Park against Man City. How are you feeling this morning? Are you ready? I'm just about okay. ready. It was, you know, obviously we're here to analyze the match and everything, but somebody that's been supporting this club for a very long time, it was mm. extremely emotional. I cried. I yeah. cried. It was, it was the best performance I have seen Aston Villa in my lifetime. Good Lord. We'll come on to why very, very shortly. Quick roundup on the scores, though. Wednesday night at Villa Park, Aston Villa beat the Premier League and Champions League title holders Man City 1-0. A result that sees City slipping to fourth, six points off the top. Lols. While Villa move up to third, just two points behind Liverpool and four behind leaders Arsenal, who needed a last-second header from Declan Rice to win away at Kenilworth Road in a fairly mad 4-3 with Luton on Tuesday. Elsewhere, Liverpool won 2-0 at Sheffield United in Chris Wilder's first game back at Bramall Lane. Bournemouth won 2-0 at Palace and continue to climb. They're now only three points off the top half. Fulham put five past Forest at Craven Cottage. Wolves whanged Burnley 1-0. Brighton came from behind to beat Brentford 2-1. And Man United beat Chelsea by the same scoreline, a game that you're watching uh, JJ Ball on account of the pretty colours. We'll come on to that very, very soon. Thursday evening, Everton, Newcastle and Spurs West Ham. Looking forward to those. But we're going to begin with tearjerker of the week. <laughs> Aston Villa 1, Man City nothing. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Here they go. Carried a long way by Bailey. Lovely chop inside. Bailey! It's in! Big deflection run for Edison. And Leon Bailey puts Aston Villa in front. There you go, Luis. Hi-ho, Aston Villa. I, I have, well, at least when the final was when I had no... no words to say my wife looked at me like what what is wrong with you I was crying I was tearing because to me what I have seen in the space of a year and change under Una Emery is the one of the greatest things I have seen in 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 the Premier League and and people forget that this is a club that was relegated in 2016 almost falling to liquidation uh constantly looking for identity over and over and over again. And, you know, the stats, I'm sure the boys here who are much smarter than me will, will echo some of the things that happened yesterday. But 14 get home wins in a row for Emery, something Mourinho or Arsene Wenger never did. It could be 15 on Saturday. The fact that Pep Guardiola, you know, allowed 13 shots in the opening 45 minutes, which is something that has never happened. That's the analytical side. As a fan, as somebody that's watched this team from as a 12-year-old, it was remarkable. It was an incredible, poetic moment for, and I just wish I was there at Villa Park. It was, it was an amazing experience, and, and, and I'll remember it forever. It was incredible. Are you going to go along on Saturday for the Arsenal game? I'm going to try if uh, there's a Peruvian market in London that I have to help my <laughs> aunt with. Okay. So if I can get away from that, I, right. I will try and make it. But I've been a couple of times already since I came back to England, and uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing moment for the club, and I'm so proud of, of, of every single buddy that, that, that's you know, a member of, of this beautiful franchise. You mentioned the 13 shots that City conceded in the opening 45. Has Pep ever seen any of his teams that ever dominated in that fashion? 
No, I mean, they let in 22 overall. I mean, City had two shots, the last of which was in the 11th minute. I mean, the old phrase, keep City quiet for the first 10 minutes and then you'll be fine, has never, has never been more apt. Um, it was astonishing. I mean, we've seen City lose games. We've seen them, you know, without Rodri, not, not play as well, but not to be dominated like this. I mean, 1-0, massively flattered City. I mean, Villa took them to pieces. In a way, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a Pep Guardiola team suffer that. Yeah, and the thing about Unai Emery is that... Everybody's like just going crazy. I'm going crazy. Everybody, but he's the one that's saying, let's add cold water to this. Are we title contenders? No. Are we good enough to be in the Champions League? I think there's seven teams better than us to do this. Mm. And the reason is, is because his whole mentality, and we have to remember as well of who he is as a person, where Mikel Arteta comes from, where Alonso comes from, where Iraola comes from in, in the northern province of Spain and, you know, in the Basque region. It's about, I, I went there when I covered Real Sociedad for a little bit, and it's everybody just wants to learn. Everybody just has this working class mentality of wanting to be better. And when you hear him speak, that's exactly what he is. He's trying to make you better. Liam Bailey, the winner of yesterday's game, is a perfect example of that. He was, there was a moment, Jimbo, before Unai Emery came, where we were like, we need to cut our losses. Leon Bailey needs to be sold. Mm. And yesterday, he gave the best performance I have ever seen him play. It was wow. amazing. Who else do you want to pick out from this Villa side? John McGinn oh, uh, wow. is better than Sedan. <laughs> absolutely. He absolutely showed Rico Lewis what it's like to be a footballer. He turned him into Play-Doh. I thought Emiliano Martinez, Duncan was talking about the saves. He was tremendous once again. Ezri Konza, the fact that he doesn't start for England is an absolute joke. I, I, I honestly think Buba Kamara, who we got on a free, the best thing Steven Gerrard ever did for Aston Villa was go to his house and, and persuade Buba Kamara to do it. Mm -hmm. But you can't really single anybody out. No. It was a complete united collective performance. And yes, I don't know where this season's going to take Villa, but I tell you this, it was not only the best performance, but it's, it's opening the doors to a bright and clear future under Unai Emery. I was going to say, with Man City, it's interesting that Guardiola is often associated with all the midfielders, and you've seen John McGinn turn Luka Lewis inside out. City's lineup, they don't really have any midfielders. It's loads of defenders. It's quite Mourinho-ish, really. So you've got four centre-backs with John Stones in midfield as another centre-back. Rico Lewis, you think of him maybe as a right-back who inverts, but he's, he is more of a midfielder, really, that they're doing with him, playing really high. And so what you saw is basically Villa playing really compact and like vertically and horizontally and uh, playing really brave, both in and out of possession, getting really tight to the man-to-man -man so City couldn't play through. And Guardiola after the game said that he saw the players weren't quite in the positions they were maybe supposed to be in at certain times, which you'd probably get if you had midfielders. So this is where you start seeing the effect of not having Gundogan or De Bruyne mm. dropping in at certain times or having uh, Bernardo Silva drop in the midfield as well. Was he doing that because of the absence of Rodri? I think, well, I mean, you play John Stones in that role that Rodri can do, and I think John Stones can do it, but Rodri, I mean, you'd know, will be one of the best midfielders in the world, and probably in his position, probably the best in the world at the moment at doing that. And so when you take those individual players, suddenly the system doesn't work quite the same because although the system is built to make the players better as a unit, it depends on having really good players to perform those individual roles. So without him, they're not quite as good. But that doesn't take away from what Aston Villa were doing to them because they knew exactly how to stop them. The, the pressing shape and where they wanted to win the ball back was exactly perfect. They had runners going in behind with Watkins at stretching them. And then you see as soon as they would then give the ball to City, they would drop back immediately really deep, really compact again, and you couldn't play around them. So there's nothing you could do. It was, uh, yeah, really, really impressive. But interesting with City now, the way their team's looking, people say it's maybe a bit of a crisis, but it's not really, is it? They'll be okay. Will thought. they, though? They'll win. The... I think so. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, it's they're amazing. They won the treble last year. You're allowed a bit of a drop uh, off. Yeah, years come, I mean, we have been here before in yeah. autumn, winter, <laughs> when we're like, well, I think this might be the end for Manchester City, and then they All just right, rise. Well, so, so City is still in the title. They're race, still in the yeah. title race. But oh, Villa would, in the title. Race. I would say Villa in the title race. I think you know it is early, but there's a, a four, maybe even five team title race, and. That's exciting. And that's the key difference. It's not that Man City's going weaker. It's that everybody's going stronger. Mm. Look at what Arsenal are doing. They're probably learning the lessons from Mikel Arteta. I'm sure we're talking about them. But Aston Villa is a perfect example of that. Now they have a team, a system, right? As JJ was saying, that, you know, can really press those great teams. So, I, it, I mean... Listen, Rodri not being there, Kevin De Bruyne is a massive, massive thing. But you can clearly see that there is a... I mean, it's one of the most unpredictable, if not the most unpredictable, title race and uh, a race for the Champions League uh, spots as well. I mean, they're missing Gunnigan as well. I mean, that, that's, yeah, I mean, that's the, the loss that they that people kind of overlook a bit. And that's one that isn't coming back. So, But I, just, I was thinking as well, Tielemans, you know, last year went <laughs> down with Leicester... Just looked terrible, but yeah. like was brilliant. Well, night. it's funny when I was walking up to the studio, our producer Charlie was saying how like he doesn't remember Yuri Tillman's running that much ever, mm. Mm. and it's part of the Unai Emery way. I call it Aston Villa Unai Versity. Because he <laughs> makes every player just want to be better. And Yuri Tillemans, by the way, uh, on a free from Leicester City, and he's, and he's turned him into a much better player. But it's not just him. It's the system that you learn, and that's the beauty. And you buy this. into that when you're winning, right? So you yeah. see it's working, so players like Tillemans will do the extra bit. And things like Tillemans, the way he was running, would he be, he'd try and start the press, lead the ball one way, and then it would go past him. Now, in the past, I think he would just mostly jog back into position. But against City, he was then running to get there, which makes all the difference with it. Completely. I remember interviewing uh, Danjuma back when he was still with Villarreal this is way before Unai Emery came to Villa and I said what, what is it about Unai Emery that you enjoy so much about and he's like I never stop learning I mm. go in there and I learn something new I go home and I learn something new and that's exactly what you see here and again I don't know where this is going to take Villa but, I, but when you have a project and an idea and a plan anything is possible I mean the Premier League is you might not have all the best players in the world, but it has the best managers, and it is—it's where every manager wants to to come to and, and show what they can do. And I think Emery is a perfect example. I think obviously he had that spell at Arsenal, which wasn't didn't go perfectly, and I think that coloured a few people over here opinion of him. But I mean that that surely changed now. Yeah, I mean we talked about that, mm. right? But technically, it's Gipuzkoa that has the best managers because. Uh, Louis was just mentioning, you've got Unai Emery, you've got Alonso, uh, Alonso leading the Bundesliga, Iraola doing wonderful things with Bournemouth, Aguacil at Real Sociedad, and Julian Lopetegui at uh, Nowhere. But of course, also, the man that Unai Emery is going to be facing on Saturday, Mikel Arteta. What's going to happen on Saturday then, when this Villa take on an Arsenal side who needed a 97th minute header to get past relegation strugglers Luton. This will be a tougher battle because... For who? For Unai Emery and Aston Villa yeah. and at the same time for Mikel Arteta, but mm. I was comparing it to the game against Manchester City. Obviously, any other kind of narrative, that's a ridiculous thing to say, but I just think given the tools and the assets that Arteta has right now at his disposal, including you know, a voluptuous Bukayo Saka who just doesn't stop creating chances or scoring, or Martin Odegaard, who, and by the way, I just think is just tremendous. But mm. also, the midfield is the key. 
Mm. And if, They've got one for starters. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and if Buba Kamara can replicate what he did against Manchester City, mm. again, et cetera, then anything's possible. But it's going to be a cracking game. I was there uh, back, way, way back, 98, I believe, or 99, the Julian Joachim years. And, the, you know, those years under John Gregory when it was a comeback at, at Villa Park. Collymore on the near post, coming in behind him is Dublin! It's a goal! Dion Dublin has scored! And Aston Villa from two down are 3-2 in front! Anything is possible, but I think it's going to be a really tough test. Okay, what do you think? Arsenal's clash with Luton on Tuesday was pretty spectacular stuff itself. Yeah, I really enjoyed that game. It's Luton are an odd kind of creature to come up against because the play very vertically and they're very big lads really like really fast kind of big tall like physical uh, opponents to take on and so that doesn't mean they were not without strategy and what you know everything they're doing is working but the goals they got are from corners and obviously there's one that David Rylett threw him like a ghost which you maybe shouldn't do mm. and uh, like Arsenal's defensive numbers this season are uh, phenomenal I think they're the best they've got the best uh, expected goals against they've got things like uh, the second fewest shots on Goal, or maybe it's less now. That would make sense because City played afterwards. It doesn't matter. But uh, they're basically very good defensively, but they've made more errors than anyone else that have led mm. directly two goals. Yeah. Uh, and I think Luton forced a couple of those errors. Their corner routines, there's clear screening and blocking, stopping them get in there. And that's where Arsenal couldn't deal with it because they're coming up against also really physical players. But Arsenal have built themselves as being really physical, so they'd be prepared for games like this. Mm. And that's this thing with Aston Villa when they come up against them. It will be a completely different game because they give you something that other teams just can't do. And that's what you saw in the game. And of course, getting to the very last minute with that Declan Rice winner, yeah. it's a nice little I mean, narrative for them. Having done it myself, there's few better grounds to celebrate a, a last-minute winner than, than the away end at Kenilworth Road. Tell us it? about yours, Duncan. Well, just it's, it's A, you can't sit down at that because they just bolted on seats to um, some very ramshackle terrorist things. So everyone, <laughs> if you're over five foot one, which most football fans tend to be, um, you can't sit down. So everyone's kind of stood up anyway. And it's just, I mean... There was Were there a lot of fans there for your goal? Uh, I, I didn't score. I was celebrating a goal. Oh, I see. Yeah. I thought he meant he might have scored as well. Yeah. No, yeah. I was picturing you with no, a last-minute I mean, header. Don't, trust me, I've dreamt of scoring a winner at Luton, <laughs> but um, sadly it hasn't happened. But, you know, the, the scenes there were tremendous. And it, you know, it's, a, it's an unscientific thing, but, but scoring late goals is what wins you titles. And Arsenal and Liverpool this season are, are doing do a lot so of that. They do it so often, yeah. Mm. All right. And poor Luton, because you scored three goals against this Arsenal, mm. and you still come away empty-handed. Like, like David Raya. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. But it's worth mentioning, 17th in the table. I know it's still mm. obviously fighting the waters of relegation, but this is a true testament of who Luton can be for the rest of the season. Ross Barkley's playing mm. like 2013 yeah, I mean, Ross Barkley. And like, Josh Townsend assisting Ross Barkley. It's ridiculous. It's, I mean, they Old say school. time machines don't exist. There you go. There's one. <laughs> they turned Barkley into like a Moussa Dembele type. I saw someone say yeah. that on Twitter. I can't remember who, so sorry for stealing your bit. But uh, it's definitely something he seems to be really good at. And it makes sense, right? Because he's not fantastic amazing in the top end of the pitch but when he does those same things deeper mm. so I saw a clip of Angel Gomez doing something he was a Man United youth player who's always thought of as a 10 or a winger and he's much much better playing deeper because you can see the pitch in front of you I guess yeah once he enters the box it was it's quite a thing by the way I, I talked to Mikel Arteta this past summer about Declan Rice uh -huh. and Kai Havertz mm -hmm. and obviously we know that Declan Rice adds that leadership potential the aura potential the you know but it, it, it is worth an argument that he could be the signing of, of the year for any club just because he is that important. Comparisons okay. to what Patrick Vieira did for Arsenal back in the day, the same thing. And Kai Havertz, yes, mm. there's been criticism, but like 
every time he goes I mean, in there, he can add some kind of different components. Different positions, but Rice to Arsenal reminds me of, you know, Van Dijk and Allison to Liverpool when it was Definitely. like, all right, this makes the difference. This is actually the, the step up. What about the man you described as Arsenal's other summer signing with a four-letter name beginning with R, David Raya? Yeah. In, um, in a tight title race, is it Arsenal's keeper, whoever it is, that's going well, to cost them the title? We've put a piece out on the Athletic today, actually, which um, myself and Nick Miller came up with a, with a groundbreaking new theory, uh -huh. looking at the numbers. Basically, Raya's good at home, mm -hmm. right? Ramsdale's good away. All Ramsdale's errors have come at the Emirates, and Raya's have come away, in fact, at Kenilworth Road. So why not just play Ramsdale in away games? He likes the you know the banter with the fans, um, and then Ray can do some raking diags at home, and everyone's happy. Brilliant. This is genius. <laughs> it is interesting because the Saticals are going to be f coming up against the man who they let go because they didn't need him, Emi Martinez. Yeah, wow. which should be interesting. Mm. I'm still conflicted why they got David Raya when you clearly see that what happens in the January and the February, if something, God forbid, for any Arsenal fan that Gabriel Jesus gets injured or even Eddie Nketiah, like, you need a striker sooner rather than Jesus later. was really good, actually, at Luton. Like, you wouldn't necessarily think of that being the sort of game that he'd thrive in, but he's he's so strong and he really sort of dug in and did a shit. Holds the ball really yeah. well. Mm. Yeah. Luton's the first time they'd ever scored three goals in a Premier League game. Wow. They're going to be back in the bottom three, though, if Everton win. They haven't played many Premier League games. <laughs> yes, that's true. But uh, they'll be back in the bottom three if Everton win on Thursday night their game against Newcastle. And then Luton, you know how they have, who they have arriving at the weekend? Who's that? Man City. With Rodri, you imagine. They couldn't, could they? Could they? Stranger things have happened. Yeah, it's true. Uh, there you go. Oh, it's an amazing game anyway. Aston Villa against Arsenal is sat at 5.30. JJ, oh, you're doing a TIFO video, which you're putting out on Friday, called Santa, I'm still your... No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Unai Emery, I stole your... <laughs> it's called How to Beat Arsenal. Is there anything you'd like to tell Unai? Uh, well, there's a couple of things, actually. I've, so I've, I've actually changed the title because I've realised that's not going to work as well as I want it to. Oh. But I did the research looking at how you actually score against Arsenal, which is how I knew the, uh, the errors thing. Hmm. So Arsenal's defensive numbers, like I said, are absolutely amazing. Uh, and if they hadn't committed those errors, they'd be beyond like the human mind's comprehension how good they are at stopping hmm. you from scoring against them. And a lot of that is by design because they've built themselves to be so sturdy and their creative numbers have come down this season. Hmm. As a result, they're not quite as lovely to watch, but it gets, it gets results, damn it. And so uh, one of the ways that you can definitely score against them is through corners and you aim them always, either outswinging or inswinging, always to the edge of the six-yard box. It's exactly where Luton put them. Uh, West Ham have done it. Fulham have done it. Sevilla have done it. You just put it just the front, like if you divide the six-yard box into zones, like three zones, right. it's the front one of those. You put it just in the far end of that. It, it, is that because that's just the kind of area of the corridor of uncertainty for David Raya? Do I come for it or not? I think this is, we're seeing the uh, literal manifestation of the corridor of uncertainty. It's appearing now in exactly there because Raya doesn't want to come for it. Ramsdale's conceded from this as well, though, so it's not just him. So maybe it's the, the coach and they don't want them to come for those balls because it's just mm. so difficult. But I was thinking of a few things about that and why it's interesting because... The players who are taking corners, you can just coach them to always hit that same line, right? Mm. So it's coachable. You can make sure that the set-piece delivery is always there. And then all you've got to do is, well, all you've got to do, but you just have to have blockers and screeners in place to stop players getting to that, that bit of the pitch. Another thing people don't do anymore is they don't really stick a player to mark David Raya or Ramsdale. They don't put anyone on them so that they're free to do whatever they want. And it 
creates that confusion. Well, I'll tell you something, my friend. The one club that does do exactly what you suggest is Aston Villa. John McGinn, uh, including as well Ollie Watkins, who usually likes to stand in front of the keeper, not just corners, but set pieces as well. And we have the master when it comes to really disrupting that box, and that's Douglas Luiz. Like, he's already attempted more Olympicos mm. that have been very, very close over the course of the season. So I, this is music to my ears, Jay. I, mm. the, the fact that set pieces are a key key component for Villas is going to be massive. Bin off that Peruvian market, Luis. <laughs> Your destiny awaits you. Saturday, 5.30 at Villa Park. Ooh. Excellent. Next up, oh, ooh, more things, including Scottish players are good and the first sacking of the season in the Premier League. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. Before you get back to this athletic podcast, did you know it's just one of many made by The Athletic every week? I'm Abby Patterson, senior producer here at The Athletic, and I get to work across so many of our shows. But even I have my favourites. Sometimes you're just too busy for a full-length podcast. I get it. We've all been there. Well, we've got a show to help you. Get up to speed with all the football stories you need to know about with our daily football briefing. It's done and dusted. Saudi Arabia will host the 2034 World Cup. Got a bug for the women's game? Then full-time Europe is for you. It's our dedicated women's football podcast answering the questions you're asking from the WSL and Champions League. So what's going wrong at Arsenal? But perhaps you want to know exactly how a team has set itself up. Then come to the audio whiteboard and join Michael Cox and our analytics gurus as they dissect and examine the game like nobody else can. That's on the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. I don't think I've ever seen a striker who reads the game so well. Just search The Athletic wherever you're listening to this podcast now and you'll find your next podcast obsession in no time at all. Now, let's get back to your show. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Ru Lang says, please can you talk about how good John McGinn was? Tick. Oh, failing that, says Ru Lang. 
McTee was quite good. Scott McTominay can't stop scoring. Oh, also says Rulang, it's genuinely the transformation of Ryan Crispy, Crispy, <laughs> Ryan Christie, uh, to a DM. This is down at Bournemouth that I'm most interested to hear about. Oh, Ian Lowell also saying Billy Gilmore is man of the match for Brighton on a routine basis, and McGregor scored a screamer for Celtic at the weekend. Scotland's midfield is not too shabby. There you go, JJ. Pretty good. I expect we'll probably win all of the games from now on <laughs> with all of those. <laughs> Uh, but there's some good players for Scotland you have you get excited when they're playing well but then it's funny because they look really good now because the, the national team does well and yeah. individually they do quite well but when Scotland aren't playing well I think they're very medium but then like, I always thought Callum McGregor would do very well in the Premier League but he hmm. didn't leave which is, makes sense because you play at Celtic and get Champions League football every single year as well so that's kind of good yeah. McTominay <laughs> though I absolutely love McTominay yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about him oh, later on sorry to tease you Man United fan but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do that with with all those Scottish players, though, Aberdeen not doing very well, your side. All the Aberdeen games in the Europa Conference League have been great fun, although not necessarily for Aberdeen fans. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I think the fans have a good time uh, on their jollies, hanging out in the, the stadiums you get to go to, and that was the whole point you get to go in these games. Something's not quite right, and it's mostly the, uh, the players, the tactics. <laughs> <laughs> the, like uh, the David Moyes. Mm, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, OK, uh, second bottom. In the Scottish Second Premier bottom, League. yes. Lots of noise now that Barry Robson might be close to the end of his time as manager. Very inexperienced. He came in at the end of, uh, well, the second half of last season. Did very well and naturally replaced Stephen Glass and lots of uh, fans then think, therefore, he must be the best choice. And so um, the more cynical amongst us think, well, come on now. The way this works now is you take your time. You choose a good manager who's proven themselves, maybe in a, a league like in Norway or Croatia, something like that. And you, mm. you bring them in, you know, and they let them do what they've proven they can do. But then he starts to win three or four games in a row. Like, well, this is it now. We're the best in the world. Let's give him a job. And then naturally, it doesn't work out. You've got a cup final there coming up. We're playing Rangers on the 17th, yes. I would like to not have to think about this anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm, 17th. I'm, I'm, I'm actually scared. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know cup finals when you go to them and your team's terrible? It's, yeah. None of it's enjoyable. No. It's like when you, uh, so like some like spooky roller coasters, and you think the best part about them is when the ride's finished, and you're, yes. and you're out and you've survived it and you're safe. Just don't go on the roller coaster, and you get the same high. <laughs> some of this, they're going to the cup finals is that if you don't go, you don't have to put yourself through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't go too far with that theory, otherwise you, you won't know. do anything. Yeah. Exactly. Well, exactly. Well, I smell another Christmas song being written. I think. If yeah. Santa, I've stole your other boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, back to the Premier League, listener, because, of course, there's the first sacking of the season to report on. Premier League has one manager whose name sounds like his team's current predicament. Fewer <laughs> as of uh, Tuesday. Paul Heckingbottom out. Chris Wilder back in. Wilder, of course, the man who Heckingbottom replaced two years ago. Back from the he wilderness. <laughs> Or daytime TV. I loved his, his interview where he said, well, you couldn't say no to Sheffield United and it's better than watching Bargain Hunt. That's a knock on Bargain Hunt, isn't it? They didn't ask I to mean, be... I mean, yeah, managing your, your boyhood club is better than watching daytime TV. I mean, that's TV. obvious. There was no need to knock on Bargain Hunt. Uh, anyway, so the question I was going to ask about all this was, everybody remembers when Wilder was there last time and they had that incredible run with the asymmetric fullbacks, was it, or centre-backs? Overlapping centre-backs. Overlapping, but there was an asymmetric thing in there as well and there was John Lundstrom, probably it was him who was asymmetric and uh, they got all the way to ninth. Mm. Uh, any way that they, he can work some of that magic this time? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> why, why is that? Moving on. <laughs> Just don't think they will. I mean, they when they came ninth in the Premier League, they scored 39 goals in 38 games, which is a bit of a red flag. And then the following season, I think they had the worst start ever, even, you know, much worse than, than our friends Derby County. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think the Sheffield United is any better than, than that Sheffield United. So I mean, they've conceded 41 goals. They've scored 11 that's the worst in the Premier League. Obviously, it's going to be difficult to come back. Obviously, as we talked about this season, it's even more competitive. But I'm with Duncan here. It's, it's just it's an almost impossible battle, especially yeah. when the likes of Luton and stuff are, are fighting. They've got overlapping it. relegation battles these days. Nice, mm. nice. They are four points from safety. A lot of reaction to the 2-0 defeat in Chris Wilder's first game back in charge at home to Liverpool on Wednesday was that there were lots of positives there. He'll have seen signs of live spirit, etc., did you, did you did you subscribe to that interpretation? I mean, they played okay, but I think it was more Liverpool playing in sort of second gear, really. I think I 100 percent agree. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's very much when a manager has his first game, it's like you look for signs. Mm. Um, sometimes those signs are there, sometimes they're not. It right. reminded me a bit of that kind of McGregor Mayweather boxing fight, which wasn't really a boxing fight at all, where he what just was that? Uh, well because Mayweather would then just. He just kind of let McGregor do whatever he wanted to. You know, that's fine. You have a little go. But really, I know I'll be able to win this whenever I want to. Okay. That's what I saw with that one. Yeah. I see. Did you also see bits of Trent Alexander-Arnold that you weren't expecting? Uh, <laughs> On the yes, assist for the Virgil van Dijk Ugh. opener. Mm. Did, was that So basically, he, his, his shorts were lowered and you could see... Uh, it was not an assist, but an a- assist, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you will. Yeah, a cracking goal. <laughs> Was that intentional, do you think? I mean, maybe. Maybe it's the new new thing, you know. Mm. Like, people have low socks mm. and low shorts. Low shorts. Nice. Slobber's lie, make it safe in stoppage time for Liverpool, who remain two points off the top. They go to Palace in the lunchtime game on Saturday. History there, much, question mark. While Sheffield United will host Brentford at Bramall Lane. Do you know, there's only been one top flight meeting between these two clubs at Bramwell Lane. Do you know when it was, Duncan? Uh, was this one of the Christmas Day games? It was one of the Bring Christmas back. Days. In 1946, it was a Sheffield United 6-1 victory. Woof. Yeah. Christmas Day. Christmas Day. What are they doing playing for? When did they, when would they stop Christmas they Day? They stopped in the early 60s, except there was one Blackpool game in the late 60s that they tried it again. Everyone was like, actually, leave it. Right. So, People are up in arms this year about Boxing Day being... Well, and Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve as well. Oh, sorry, that's the one I meant, mm. yeah. Mm. But, I mean, what they used to, used to play one team at home on Christmas Day and away on Boxing Day, or vice versa. So. Right. It's, you know, the traditions, they, they fall away. Like JJ's song, we, they're being lost. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very much so. Uh, yes, anyway, so that's what Liverpool are going to be doing. They're going to Crystal Palace and Sheffield United host Brentford. But Palace, Cristambul, but also the ground where Liverpool have won 7-0, what else, 6-1. Oh, and also Roy Hodgson against his old side in an amongst a environment that's not exactly enamoured of his current managerial record. Booze on Wednesday as Palace went down to a 2-0 defeat to Bournemouth and suggestions that Roy could soon be exiting again the Crystal Palace bench in favour of Steve Cooper. Have you seen those stories? Well, if this happens, please just... This is it. Do you think? Bye, Roy. Why, Louise? Why let, is that let Roy have his time to relax now. He's done enough. 
Yeah, I mean, they said that. Oh, on I see. Many but that's occasions. my. But that's my point. Yeah. Make this the final one, please. Twelve, Twelve months later, <laughs> you'll be back looking fresher than ever. Mm. But I mean, I don't completely hate if it happens. I think Palace do need, specifically defensively, need to fix a few things. By the way, Bournemouth, you know, they are. Transforming right. themselves into a little mini mm. athletic Bilbao from the Bielsa days, just it all as a student of his, of course. And they were very impressive against Villa in the, in the 2 2 draw. So it's not like this is a shocking result. Bournemouth mm. are definitely on the up. Well, if they do get rid of Hodgson or he's just steps down, I think uh, they should go braver and bolder. Because, mm. like, we're talking earlier about how um, the league's got so many teams at the top in the title race. Same in the middle part. Loads of teams are really brave and bold and play quite. So I don't want to say attacking, but they, they take risks, you get high mm. reward from it, and people are seeing the benefit of that. And so Steve Cooker would come in and probably be fine, I'd imagine, because he's a decent manager, but I, I can't see it long term as being a huge success. Maybe that short sightedness on my part. But uh, like Hulen Lopatigi is available, yeah. he would be the biggest name that's possibly there that you could snap up, throw some money at him. Mm. Maybe he can do the start of a new dawn right. at Crystal Palace. It's got that Basque magic as well. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, be adventurous with your decision. I agree. Okay. Uh, Roy Hodgson is still very much in place as we record this. So <laughs> yeah. Got a little bit ahead of oh, ourselves. Right. Oh, I do love that. I mean, he got very grumpy after that game. He, he said yeah. that the, the, the he said the fact is the fans have been spoilt here in recent times, which, Oof. have they? I don't, I think. He keeps them in the Premier League. I, I think that's the point, yeah. Well, also, they had when he first came back, they had that run of games in which they scored goals and lots of them, which... Yeah, I think that's a bare minimum for fans, yeah. really, to not it? Apparently not. Mm. Uh, Steve Cooper also... As we record, this, still gamefully employed by Nottingham Forest, although a lot of suggestions that that is very much a short-term situation after the 5-0 away at Craven Cottage on Wednesday. A performance which he himself said was embarrassing and not good enough and certainly looks like Forest owner Evangelos Marianakis felt the same way, departing the ground early. And somebody found his pass thrown in a bush. Yeah, oh, Dom Manning. Littering. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So Craven Coach has got a good Shepherd's history bush, of perhaps just up the Yeah. Craven Coach has got a good history of people storming out early. I remember Adel Tarapt once got uh was he substituted was or sent the, off the and, bus. Yeah, he got on the bus, yeah. Mm. Um so yeah, it's probably it, I mean, if anyone that's been to Craven Coach, it's probably one of the best grounds to storm away from. It's Very easy day. to do. Yeah, that. a lot of trans we could even get on a boat. Yep. Just jump on. Well, it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Anything else about Palace against Liverpool? On Saturday lunchtime. Well, John Matip is uh, ah, yeah, suffers a massive injury, uh, ACL, and mm. obviously this is a continuous issue for Liverpool once again. And this is going to be a problem, and so they're going to have to probably reevaluate what they need to do in in January if they want to keep up. Because I already have suspect question marks about the longevity of what they want to do with their midfield if they want to win this Premier League title. Obviously, we know how good they are, but now that John Matip is injured, that's that's mm. a big loss. Best wishes to him in his recovery. It looks like he won't be back for the rest of this season and then his contract's up in the summer. So, question mark, question mark. All right, next up, ooh, we'll talk about a, an old Liverpool favourite and much more. Hello, listeners. This is Matt Davis-Adams, host of Straight Outta Cobham, your dedicated Chelsea podcast from The Athletic. Myself and the motley crew of Liam Toomey, Simon Johnson, Dom Fifield, and Luke Bosher are with you twice a week, every week this season, as we bring you all the news and views you could ever possibly want from in and around the club. Listen for free wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're sponsored for this episode of The Totally Football Show by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, which is up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to The Totally Football Show, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash totally, all in lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash totally to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash totally. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Football Content Awards International Podcast of the Year. Luis, is Luis Suarez about to sign for Inter de Miami? Everything is pointing to that direction, Woof. definitely. That's uh, a great a, sign. A Barcelona reunion yeah. uh, with obviously Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets and obviously Lionel Messi. He played his final game with Gremio and I think we will see him wearing that pink in Miami uh, after the, the new year. It should be an interesting one for sure. Okay. When does the season start again? Well, the preseason begins in January and then towards the... Okay. They haven't announced the official dates, but it's usually around the uh, the end of February, around, oh. that, around that time. By the way, yeah. it's it's obviously a major move. Uh, it's, it's a great marketing move as well to get Luis Suarez there, but he, he is really struggling oh, is he? physically. Oh. He has already been quoted as saying how, you know, I, I have to do a lot to be ready for matches. Uh, my son wants to one day play with me. There is no way I see that happening. So oh. the MLS season, regardless of, you know, what, aside from the travel expectations and how much you have to do as well, when you involve a Leaks Cup in that situation, yeah. if Luis Suarez is still involved with the Uruguayan national team, it should be interesting. Also, conditions uh, in Miami, kind of challenging, you know, for yeah. an athlete. You start sweating after two minutes in, mm. in, in Miami. I, I know it too well. And mm. I sweat when I blink, so I can tell you right now. That's a, that's a <laughs> massive right. thing. Um, but yeah, it'd be a great move, definitely for MLS to see Luis Suarez. And, okay, and although MLS. maybe not from what you're saying. And by the way, Copa America as well, as well, you know, that's oh, yeah. so... Uh, or other exciting names who could be pitching up stateside include Frank Lampard, JJ, and former Villa manager Dean Smith. Not sure how fondly remembered he is for you, Luis. But oh, they're both, we love him. Yeah, both among the finalists for the head coach vacancy at Charlotte FC. Dean Smith's son, Jamie Smith, plays in USL, the, the, okay. the next up division in, in South Carolina. So there's right. also a personal connection for Dean nice. Smith as well. Yeah. All right. And Saturday night, I'm talking about next season, but this season's going to have its uh, grand finale on Saturday night with the MLS, MLS Cup final, which is actually the league title, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Columbus Crew 
against LAFC, which is in many ways a really great final to exemplify everything that MLS is about. Why? Columbus Crew are the OGs of, of MLS. They, okay. They've been there from the very beginning. Their former stadium was the mm. first soccer-specific stadium uh, from an MLS club in America. They've won MLS Cup twice. They've been to, this will be their fourth final. So, you know, there's a lot there. The Ohio soccer culture is really really passionate is and it the best country of the united states <laughs> yeah we, yeah without without the uh the the, the humble and the tapas oh, yes. yeah, 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 right, yeah. Yeah, yeah but lafc uh-huh. who are not even 10 years old are looking well how for old their... is columbus then well columbus with christopher or the actual no, <laughs> from from i mean from the very beginning the, the 90s okay. which is obviously not that no but still you compare yes relatively lafc is no. only nine years old and now yeah. they're looking for their second mls cup back to back they haven't, nobody has done that since. Their rivals, LA Galaxy. Wow. So okay. Carlos Vela, the Mexican player, could be his last game because he hasn't extended his contract. There's mm. a lot at stake. It should be a fantastic, fantastic final. Cool. Good stuff. That's Saturday. What time is that going to be, Luis? 9 p.m. in the UK. Is it? So, oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so, after... Yeah. Clash with any markets? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very doable. Very good. Uh, not sure when Man United are playing... On the weekend, three o'clock Saturday. When three o'clock? Yeah, doing oh, a lot right. of three o'clocks this year. Are they? Mm. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, Wednesday night that they hosted Chelsea in very much the pick of the midweek games. JJ, as you pointed out, because the colours on the screen are brilliant: bright green pitch, deep bright reds and blues. The goalie in solid yellow, referee in black, white shorts and trim. Boom. It's really important to me. I've realised that one of the things I like most about football is the the noise, both visually and uh, ah, what yeah. you hear. Something about it. When you see a team, I think Bright, uh, Brentford versus Brighton, yeah. was, uh, the colours just don't mm. look. They don't. There are too many things going on. It has to be yeah. clear and bright and aesthetic. Or what all that colour Spurs were wearing at City. Which it's not for me. It has not. to be. I like it when two home shirts play against each other because it's always like really opposed contrasting yes. like I spend a lot of my time for Tifo coming up with thumbnails and you have to work on how they work and contrasting colours are really uh, what I've always liked it turns out but that really works on thumbnails for YouTube videos and things like that and so when you see like there's another thing I read a long time ago I can't remember where but apparently one a theory as to why the Premier League is so uh, beloved around the world mm. is that the kind of grass you get in England works really well for how the colour comes through on the cameras. Oh. So it pops like as a really nice deep green. Mm. Yeah. And so you get, with like that game, Chelsea versus Man United, you have all the primary colours, but all just the basic ones. Then you need all of them to make it visually simulating. It's true. The first time a child sees, walks up some steps and sees a, a Premier League pitch, mm. it's, a, you know, it's almost worth having more children just so you can keep doing it. But <laughs> there's some downsides. Oh, operative word being almost, mm. yeah. I mean, I, I still so. like that, and I go up the steps to a new stadium, and you see it. It does look cool every time, right? Yeah. Lovely. Old Trafford was the venue for this clash of uh, primary mm. colours, who are some way off the kind of primary positions. Uh, what did you see apart from lovely shades of of hues? Um, I saw t- two teams in the first half who didn't really seem to know what they were doing. <laughs> it was really open. It was so bad. It was so weird. Uh, they were... Because obviously, like having grown up watching Man U Chelsea games in the past, yeah. it's a huge thing, and it's not really now hmm. uh, at the moment anyway. Maybe that'll change. But I wrote a list of players. I was just texting one of my uh, friends' groups, like players who were terrible in this game, and it was shorter to write the list of players who were actually any good. Who, who was keep... good in this game? Who was good in this game? Um, was Anana okay? 
uh, yeah, I don't really remember when I was doing anything wrong. He was decent. I mean, McTominay. Mm. <laughs> but then would you keep McTominay? This is the, when you look at all these things. Uh, let's find out. Generally speaking, though, compared to the game before against Newcastle, they actually had a go this time. They actually looked like they were bothered. I mean, you have a, Garnacho on that left-hand side is making things happen. He's very dynamic, and that really helps. And Rashford hasn't really been doing that very much this season. Mm. He's, been very, he's been poor. But then you see the lack of... I think Newcastle, the Newcastle game is a really good example of... Just the amount of stuff you get done with good players working really, really hard. Like a, a good player working really, really hard is far more valuable, I would say, than uh, an excellent player just sort of hoping that it happens. I think you see it a lot in five-a-side when you get the fancy players who think they're really good. If you get a bunch of players together who work harder, you'll always win. You'll almost always win with that sort of thing. Which mm. makes me angry about this fixture. Oh. Because in many ways, it shows the example of how badly managed financially, economically speaking, uh, teams can be. You had Enzo Fernandez and Moisés Casado in this game, mm -hmm. 200 million plus. Did they make Chelsea better at this moment? Is that happening? Anthony has already received so much criticism. There's talks about Eric Ten Hag losing the dressing room. Mm. And we're talking about Scott McTominay, who I love, but he is such a classic old school player that really didn't cost anything. <laughs> I do like the way anyone mentions Scott McTominay, they always have to go, <laughs> by the way. I just I want him. to say it on camera, I love him. Um, <laughs> but my, my point is, is that, you know, there are two teams right now who, oh, yeah. who are just not, they're I mean, not, they're not, are they inspiring I, anything? Having said that, uh, United only three points away from Man City. Well, right? yeah, but uh, <laughs> they found a cheat code. There's some sort of, it's like the bit in Pac Man where you can go on one side and come out the yeah. other. They, they've done that <laughs> with the league table. There's a wormhole in the table. But I kept saying during the game, 15 years ago, this was the Champions League final. Correct. And now it was, it had the vibe of sort of a, yeah. a charity game. You know, when you get a charity game played on a proper pitch, when you're like, there's loads of chances because no one can actually defend. I thought it felt like that as well. Like, they, yeah, it was like a charity event. Yeah, that's a really good way to describe it. I want to shout out Cole Palmer, though. You can have your Scott McTominay. I'm very much Team Cole Palmer. Mm, lovely what finish. Yeah. He revealed he was a Man United fan. John Champion on commentary was saying that he oh, was yeah? a Man United fan. I didn't know that because he's played for Man City. He did a muted celebration as well. He kind of like half celebrated, then sort of nodded at the Stratford end. So, you know. Fair he should have celebrated. It was his fifth goal for Chelsea. I enjoyed also um, in this game the fact that United got a penalty Purely because Anthony can't use his right foot. <laughs> <laughs> had a great chance oh, okay. to shoot. Cut back onto his left because obviously. And then, you know, Enzo stood on his foot. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised he gets anywhere in time because he must always walk in circles, that guy. And Nicholas Jackson at Chelsea has the second highest non-penalty expected goals of any player in the league, mm. but just cannot finish. No. Mm. And I, it's really interesting with him because I can't quite work out whether it's, it is a, a lack of talent. I, th I watched him, um, I did a lot of research on him before he moved to Chelsea to see what he was, and I really like what kind of player he is. But he's in the right place at the right time, but just constantly misses chances, and it almost seems as though it's belief, but how do you possibly get that belief into him? And it might just be that it's not going to happen there. It's his arse, surely. His arse is the key component <laughs> in all of this. <laughs> you know, if one goes in off it, or maybe it'll unleash, yeah. you know, a bit like Kai Havertz. Needs to wear shorts lower. Yeah, perhaps so. Perhaps so. Uh, Man United, Schrodinger's Man United have Bournemouth at Old Trafford this weekend, while Chelsea, who don't appear to have turned that corner that we thought maybe they had done under Poch a uh, week or two ago, are going to be away at Everton. Manchester United, Bournemouth, obviously the only fixture in Premier League history that's been postponed because of a fake bomb. Remember that? Ah, indeed so. Mm. That was a security drill. Yeah. The few days arrived. earlier. And someone forgot. I, I always imagine that person must have been relaxing that day and then <laughs> seeing like, apparently there's a there's a bomb at Manchester United. I must have thought, oh, that's probably my fault. Yeah. Also this midweek, 
Brighton beat Brentford 2-1. Uh, the winning goal coming from 18-year-old Jack Hinshelwood. His first senior strike. Brian Mbuemo picking up an injury in that game. How long is that going to keep him out for? It could be a while. And obviously, Afghan's on the horizon as oh, well. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And it's Mbuemo as well. I keep calling him Mbuemo. It's Mbuemo, I believe. Mm. Uh, Bournemouth, we talked about their 2-0 win against Palace. They have actually now won four of their last six and almost won against Villa as well. So, woof. 5-0 for Fulham against Forrest, who seem to have turned Raul Jimenez back into a goal machine. 4.6% of his Premier League career goals came in, came last night. So, fair play. 4.6% of his Premier League career goals, even including his Wolves Yeah, yeah. Really? You'll never sing that? Yeah. yeah. Alex Iwobi was a good acquisition for Fulham. Like somebody that... Marco Silva really needed in order to actually even help Raul Jimenez okay. do his thing as well. All right. Forest needs some help. They've won only one of their last 11 matches. And as we say, there is a lot of suggestions. There's going to be a regime change, possibly even by this weekend when Forrest will be making the trip to Molyneux to take on Wolves. Wolves who beat, who did they beat? Was it Burnley? Burnley, they beat Burnley yeah. on Tuesday. Mm. Yeah. With Huang Hee Chan's ninth goal of the season. Tremendous player. Hmm. Tremendous. He is so, he's like an old school type of attacker where very good technically, but he just does not stop running, does not stop creating chances. Really big fan of his. Excellent. Excellent. Burnley caught out passing from the back in that game again. They're one of the teams that play really brave and it worked very well last season. And I wonder whether it's just because what they're doing makes sense on paper, but mm. uh, and probably on the training ground as well. But in execution, sometimes that's where they're getting caught. Mm. But they shouldn't change, even though it's probably going to take them down. Do you think? I would. I think it's good to stay the same way and just play that way. I'd rather lose playing the way you want rather than deviating from it and getting really evolving all I that think, stuff. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird, really, yeah. Weirdly, Burnley had so many years of playing so functionally that I think they probably do have with their fans more credit for trying to stick with the principles than other clubs might do. It's just oh. a heavy touch from I think it's Sander Berg. I think he comes to, to try and receive it, and like a better player would know more what's on his, his shoulder. Someone else might be in a better position to pass. Off to, but that's just the wolves wait for it. They pounce. They like wolves do, I guess. Do wolves mm. pounce? I think they they can do when given the opportunity. They hunt in packs. They do. No, you also well, no, have lone wolves. Lone famously. wolves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You can yeah. have a pack of wolves. They um, they hunt pigs in <laughs> houses. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Uh, so in I houses. That, yeah. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah. S sticks. They're uh, very good at uh, breath control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wolves <laughs> are going to be facing forest. Oh, as I mentioned. The Red Riding Hood Classic. Huh? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you know there's loads of bad blood between these two sides? Did you, do you remember the big brawl yeah, that they had was in the League the Cup last Morgan year? Yeah, there was Gibbs-White. Um, so what happened? Uh, Gibbs-White scored a penalty and kind of shushed all the Wolves fans. Obviously, he used to play for, for Wolves and right. football fans. Uh, are famously not happy at a player showing emotion. So, yeah. And everyone kicked off. Mm. Everybody got charged in that one. Mm. Daniel Podense as well for like just going off crazy crazy that's going to be Saturday 3 o'clock and that is the weekend's fixtures I think there's other ones too which we can't really preview like you've got your Spurs against Newcastle but neither of those teams have played yet Thursday night they go at it against uh, West Ham and Everton respectively but that's kind of the state of play on this Thursday the 7th of December hey Duncan 
Yeah, I think I quite like this set of fixtures we've had for a few years now, the, the Amazon showing all the Do games. You? Yeah, I think it's been good. And obviously we know that in a couple of years when the next TV deal comes in, that Amazon aren't going to be doing it, although we are going to be moving into a world two o'clock on Sundays, for instance, where all the games will be shown. All the games. So, But it's been it's been a really, obviously two games to go as we record, but it's been a really good uh, midweek set of action. It has Seminal. been. Very, very entertaining. Very entertaining indeed. Particularly for you, Luis, eh? I'm going to be listening to Jimi Hendrix's Purple Haze. Are you? Well, I don't know, maybe. Okay, no, it's great. I mean, why not? I don't know, I'm just loving. I'm loving every minute of it. I'm loving the villa. By the way, Copa America, Joe, uh, by the time this comes out. Okay. You, you could have a group that has Argentina, mm -hmm. Colombia, uh -huh. Venezuela, who are very good, uh -huh. and Jamaica, Leon Oof. Bailey in the house, or the US, mm -hmm. Uruguay, Chile, and Costa Rica. It's going to wow. be final in Miami. It's going to be intense. Right. That's it. Brilliant. Finally in Miami in what month of the year? It will be the same June. Yeah. No, well, July. July, July, July I'm July. sorry. The same day as the Euro final. Yeah. That's going to be exciting, isn't it? Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. If the USMNT make it to the final, Christian no. Pulisic might melt at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Aston La Vittoria Sempre. <laughs> Very <say. laughs> Muy bien, James Richardson. Muy yeah. bien. JJ, lovely to have you on today. And uh, many thanks for all your illuminating uh, observations. Thank you. And uh, to you too, Duncan, with all your things that you did. Yeah, yeah. words. We didn't Listen. mention <laughs> the substitutes graphic that they introduced at Amazon. Oh, yeah. That that is right. it, do you see they put substitutes? I wonder how Howard someone pitched for that. They put yeah, I, right. So I'm not, I wasn't so a fan of this. So they have little like five dashes above the team's name on the, on the score bug. And it was like everyone was confused. And then it was basically. Ah, but yeah, here's okay. my contention is that no one in football ever kept. No one's like, how many subs have got left? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're down. And then I, at one point I saw when a team would use all their subs, it flashed up no more subs. Yeah. Something like that. It's like. But someone somewhere has really thought, do you know what's wrong with this modern football coverage? <laughs> I don't know how many subs there are. What am I supposed to do? Is that not more, we're a different coverage, we've got to stamp our identity on this? Yeah, probably. It's like moving yeah. it from up to the bottom mm, or yeah. making it upside down. I mean, I, I mean, it's my favourite bit of a game when, when you realise there's no more subs. You have a little tear and you're like, no, this, it can still be good. Well, they need to do <laughs> what they do in the NFL. At least NBC does it, which is when you do the lineup of mm. the you know from mm. the offensive side, the player looks at the camera, says their name and what school they went to, what university they obviously yeah. like. But in the Premier League, it would be amazing if you just have every player just say their name and like their favorite best bit of the game movie or something. Yeah, It'd be incredible. All right. Uh, yeah. what's, what was the one you were in? Mutant what? Uh, yeah, Erlen Holland. Mutant Chronicles. Mutant Chronicles. <laughs> JJ Bull, I wrote Santa. I took your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you made it way darker. <laughs> no, no. So, um, great. That's it then, listener. Many thanks for sticking around this long. We'll be back on Sunday to review, you know, the weekend stuff and that. So why not join us then? Your market duties permitting. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.